Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid's sleeping isn't one. What up, what up, what up? Hi, guys. Here with a, another new episode of the snooze button. It's me, Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. Listen, if I could have my way, what I would talk about today is just the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey pairing. Um, If you've been living under the largest rock in the world, you don't even have to like Taylor Swift or football to know about this. You can't escape knowing about it. Like I follow like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times on Instagram and they are talking about it. Neither of them have anything to do with those people. Um, But I honestly, I get, I go so off the rails on my Instagram stories that the amount of time I spend just talking about Taylor Swift and Colorado football, it's truly shocking to me that any of you are still following me. I appreciate it. I'm going to try to do more sleep stuff, but you know, it is what it is. So because I don't want you to fully unsubscribe from this podcast, I'm not going to just talk about celebrities uh, who are dating. Theoretically, I'm going to talk about sleep. That's what you came for. Baby, this is what you came for. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift wrote that song. It's a Calvin Harris song. Another guy she dated. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, so I wanted to peel back the curtain for a second. I'm going to tell you guys about very common issues I see with sleep environments in my baby clients. So anytime someone's working with me one-on-one, they're filling out a intake form, several pages long, that helps me get to know the family. So I'm asking tons of questions. Some questions are about the parents, about the family. I want to know everything from what your nap routine looks like, if you're formula or breastfed, if you have an easier time, if dad or mom or grandma or Aunt Suzanne puts you down. I want to know what parenting and books you've read. Parenting and books, wow. I've It's been a long day. Parenting or sleep books you've read. All of the things. All of the things. Um, I ask a lot about the sleep environment. So I will say, truly, and I'm not exaggerating, it is extremely rare for me to have a client who does not have, not have, excuse me, at least one, almost always at least two of these flagged in their intake on my end. Like I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, we're adding that to the list of things we need to work on. These are super, super common things. So if you're doing any of them, I hope this helps. All right, let's get started. These are no particular order. They're just the ones that immediately came to mind when I thought about this topic. Here are the five most common sleep environment mistakes that parents are making with their babies, especially little babies, a lot of three and four month olds that we work on. The first one is they're listening to music or non-ambient sound instead of white noise. They are listening to ocean waves. They're listening to crickets. They're listening to raindrops keep falling on my head. And very often they're listening to lullabies or some other type of music. And this can be all types of things. Sometimes it's like it's playing on a phone or a stereo. Oftentimes it's playing from a white noise machine. Sometimes it's only as they're falling asleep. Sometimes it's going all night. Whatever it is, the only thing we want is ambient white noise. Like something, if you're using a hatch, it's like the TV setting. Something where the sound does not change and we are not stimulating baby's brain. Number two, either the room is completely blacked out or we are attempting to black it out. We are taping down the walls. We have ordered the blackout curtains. They are being shipped as we speak from Serena and Lily or whatever it is. 
That is, of all of these, probably the most common one. We do not want a room to be completely blacked out. I know, hot take. Um, that would be great advice if you lived in a cave. Do you? I don't, unless you're a cave person. I don't want you creating such a pristine sleep environment that it is impossible to travel. It is impossible to go to a friend's house. I had a client once, true story, who had was overnighting. She like booked a plan and was like SOS while they were vacationing on Nantucket because she had overnighted some like and paid a ton of money to overnight some like product that was going to black out her baby's room onto Nantucket Island because she had forgotten her blackout curtain. She had some like like literally cardboard she was going to like tape to the windows because the place they were renting didn't have blackout curtains. I ain't about that life, okay? Babies can sleep just as well with a little bit of light as they can in a pitch black room. Am I suggesting you turn on a flashlight and shine it in their face? No, I'm not even suggesting that you leave the windows wide, you know, the, the shades wide open. All I'm suggesting is that you do what, frankly, most adults do when they go to sleep, which is like you close the curtains or you close the blinds. It does not need to be blacked out. If you are bumping into furniture, if you cannot see where the crib is, it's too dark. Okay, number three, they are still in a swaddle or the magic Merlin or a zip zip or a love to dream, or a weighted sleep sack. They're in something, or they're in nothing at all. They're just not in, they're just in their pajamas. Basically, their sleep accoutrements are wrong. All we want a baby in, all we want a baby in. Once they are somewhere between 8 and 10 weeks old, we are transitioning. By the time they are 12 weeks old for sure, we are in a regular sleep sack. Just a sleep sack. Kite baby's great. Burt's Bees is great. Molino's great. Anything like that. Absolutely no weight on a baby's chest. Uh, I have your number, nested bean in dreamland. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not safe. Magic Merlin, also not safe. There's a couple things I have, I, I take issue with with the Magic Merlin. Number one, it is straight up a transitional product, right? So this is something that theoretically, if you did have an eight-week-old, and you were like, we're ready to get out of the swaddle. We're going to start working towards the sleep sack. We're going to put them in this to kind of transition. Something like a love to dream or a zip zip That's great, theoretically. However, it makes me nervous because it's really heavy and I don't want a baby to get too hot, which I'm going to talk about in a second with my last environment issue. That's my number one thing. My second thing is, for most babies, it is hard to reach your hands in that thing, especially if you're an itty-bitty. It is hard to get your hands. It's hard to get that thumb in your mouth. It's hard to get your finger in your mouth, whatever you want. So we're literally creating a barrier for them to help themselves soothe to sleep. Now let's talk about the rolling issue. The vast majority of my three, four, five-month-old clients, while we're in plan, they learn to roll. They finally have space in their crib. They have time in their crib. They are eating well. They're sleeping well. They're ready to start working on skills. If you're in a Merlin, it's really hard to roll over. It's kind of like having a baby strapped to the snoo. You're literally preventing them from learning a skill that's going to help them sleep better, right? Or worst case scenario, we have a baby who is able to launch themselves onto their stomach and now they cannot roll back. They are now stuck on their stomach, which is even scarier than anything else in this list, right? So we're going to ditch the Merlin. Um, and as for the Love to Dream or the Zip Zip, they're great transitional products. Great. Good range of motion, not restrictive, help with the moral reflex in those, you know, that eight to 10 week range. However, they're still transitional products. So I know there's people who have like a one and a half year old in a zip zip It's not great. We want access to our hands fully, not inside material. I understand that they can like sit up in it and all that stuff, but still not a fan. We want their hands out. 
once we are three months old, fully out. Okay, number four. It's getting hot in here, so take off all your clothes. I'm kidding. I'm in such a weird mood today, you guys. But really, the room is too hot. You know what's fascinating about this to me? I feel like I have to talk parents off a ledge often about the room temperature in a gentle, kind way. Because from a safety and a comfort perspective, it is always better if your baby is too cold than too hot. Always. I would straight up much rather a client tell me that their baby is sleeping in a room that's 63 degrees than a room that's 80 degrees. Truly, much rather. And I often will get clients where they tell me the room temperature is like 78. And I'm like, 70 not good. Not good, guys. So we want the room temperature to be between 68 and 72. So here is one of the reasons why I'll often hear families be like, really, are you sure? But if we don't keep the room that hot, their hands get really cold. And I think it's important to know that your the temperature of your extremities is not indicative of your core body temperature. Meaning, my hands right now are freezing. I'm fine. I'm not that cold. I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm in a normal temperature, in a normal outfit, in the middle of the day, whatever. Your fingers and toes are often colder than the rest of your body. Now, if we have a clammy forehead, if our lips are turning blue, there are absolutely signs that a baby is too cold. But... Your fingers and hands being cold are not, are not a reason. Like I said, from a a safety and a comfort perspective, always better to be too cold than too hot. And I get it. I think we're always like worried that babies are too cold, but we don't always think about the fact that we might be overheating them. I think that's just human nature. And the last one, this may surprise you, is that the baby spends no time in their room. None. Super common and super we want to change. Now, why is that the case i think a lot of us we've heard the rhetoric like your room should be for sleep you know your bed should be for sleep don't like go on your laptop you know in your on your bed don't have a tv in your room things like that and to be clear there is a distinction from my perspective between the room and the bed now i do for sure if i ever see a a client that's putting the baby in the crib like they have the mobile over them and they're using it as like a playpen like oh i was just like doing stuff and i put them in there or like an older kid where they're using the bed or the bedroom or things as a timeout. That I agree with. Don't be doing those things. That is confusing. We want there to be an association with your bed, your crib, wherever you're sleeping with sleep. And it is confusing for a baby if you're putting them in there when you don't want them to sleep. Okay, for sure I agree with that. But we do want your room to be a have like a positive connotation, be a place that you want to be, that you're happy. You don't want to be sending the message to a baby like, the only time we go in this place is when we like dump you off to sleep and you're like, goodbye, we'll, we'll see you never, you know, we'll see you tomorrow morning. No, you want them to go into their room and be like, I like it here. We do things here. This is a place where I have happy associations. I'm here with my family and also without them and I'm happy both ways. So I'm not suggesting that anyone, you know, has like a set aside hour a day with their in their room, but just moving some toys in there, some activities in there. So, you know, it could be, I feel like I use this example all the time for families. Like it could be as simple as you're just doing laundry in their room. You're putting, you're folding stuff, you're putting it away. So like you, maybe you're accomplishing some task if there isn't, you know, if it's a small space, there isn't a lot of stuff and they can just be like under a play mat, rolling around, whatever, or you go in there and read them a few books. It doesn't matter. It's just that the room has positive associations and it's not exclusively for sleep. It's like their room. The same way when you're a teenager and you're like, 
stomping upstairs and slamming the door like my mom won't let me go to Sarah's house I'm so mad at her you're like writing in your burn book you know it's like your place it's a place where you where you're happy and and you like to be okay and those are the five most common sleep environment issues I see with my baby clients I will do a part two about toddlers and big kids and the five most common sleep environment issues I see there um if I remember hopefully I'll remember to do it next week Okay, this one was short and sweet. I hope it was helpful. Love you guys, and I will see you next week. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it, so make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to brittanysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at Sleep.